you need a great opener like somehow we're adults do do we could record like, that like right some now some kind of like we could record that right oh, now everybody be quiet somehow we're adults <laughs> so um i wanted to do this podcast obviously it's been two years since you've done this podcast and you and i never have uh what seems like enough time to um to do one of these so in every time we ever talk it's like we just don't have enough time to to actually sit down and talk about things because it's at family <laughs> gatherings or you know in passing and it's yeah life gets in the way but, it does but That's, we we seem to find a way somehow or another uh yeah <laughs> and on occasion to do it yeah yeah, and that's why I like I like this specific setup because we could talk for an hour unobstructed by wives and you know um, dogs and you know <laughs> the whole life in the general. rest of life. Yeah, yes. we can actually plan for it and you know schedule it. It's like it's like this is like a doctor's appointment. It's just a different kind of doctor's appointment. Right? There it's you one go. you look forward to. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I wanted to nerd out for a little bit, and I know that you're one that likes to nerd out with me and talk about like. Uh, the stock market, the economy, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So, um, as far as that is concerned, um, so you you sent me some videos to or a, a video to watch, and I sent you a video to watch in preparation for this. Yes, um, you sent me. I guess it was like an update from from the Vanguard. Yeah, it was a bit beginning of the year forecast for 2024. Um, that Vanguard, uh, I watched the live webcast, right? And um, you know where they were trying to give you a vision of kind of where we are right now and what what it looked like going into 2024. It was the CEO and chairman, yep, um, on one side, and it was like. Um, I guess the CIO, the Chief Investment Officer. Yes, yes. Um, who I guess is, I guess his title is CIO and CFO. Yes. So, um, but it was basically like they did a podcast, which is what I really liked about it. Yes, it, it was, was kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, but they had it set up like a newsroom, which I thought was a little strange because, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, you guys aren't the news, like the way it was set up. But, but honestly, the conversation was great. They really yes. broke it down and they they talked about it like they're like how how pretty much how like you and I would. Uh, obviously, they did it a little bit on a different platform, but they they talked about it at a reasonable level to where people could, um, you know, still understand what they were talking about. They, if they started yes. to talk about something, they'd be like, let's talk about what that means, kind of thing. So, well, you know, and v- Vanguard, I think, is real in touch with who their customers are. Um, you know, whether it's self investors, it, it's, it's people that tend to have a little more interest in. Um, in, in their returns, mm-hmm. and that's why you know their, their claim to fame is the uh, low cost investments, and you know and, and that tends to to tap um, um, you know the 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 average man on the street I think a little bit more right. than some some of the other big names and you know Fidelity or BlackRock. Yeah. Um, they're they're the long term guys. Yeah, they're, they're, their market is long term because yes. like. Um, I know for me, let me turn my mic up a little bit. Um, I know for me, like what made me stick to them is I watched a lot of Jack Bogle, who was the founder of Vanguard. I watched mm-hmm. a lot of his videos and in, you know, uh, learning about, cause he's basically the one who coined index term or index funds. Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, you know, do you want to go in a little bit further and explain like what an index fund is versus mutual funds? Sure. Well, an index fund, most mutual funds are managed by professionals. Yeah, a professional has an idea, puts together a group of um, stocks that they want to buy into uh, uh, to create a, something, a well-rounded 
product to put out on the market so that and by product too i mean just to put it in super simple terms you're talking about businesses you're buying yes you're, you're buying, buying shares of stock Fox. which yeah. is a part of you're owning part of a business that that is correct and uh, actually these these larger um mutual fund companies are actually driving the market now because they own so much of the market and so uh um Vanguard, Fidelity, that they own a significant amount. They they literally can drive what those companies yeah. do based on owning so much of their stock. Right. Yeah. BlackRock. A lot of people are talking about BlackRock, State Street, and uh, and um, uh, and Vanguard because yes. those three own the majority of most companies. Yes. And so the. Um, what Vanguard did is said, well, you know, uh, we think that instead of having an expert that we're paying big bucks to to determine which stocks we're buying for our for our mutual funds, um, then then what we can do is just mimic the markets. So, like the S and P 500, the Standards and Poor 500, they they take uh, a same breakdown of what's the uh the stocks in that market that are being tracked mm -hmm. and they they mimic that percentage and create a, a index fund that just follows that standard yeah it's not got an actual manager it's it's really just i think the only expense you pay for is like the actual um if you ever look, look looked at the breakdown of the expenses and what you're paying and what it goes to it's basically like clerical work yes yes yeah because yeah. Yeah, you're not paying any experts at that point right because because so. people who manage those funds get paid a ton of money oh. and, and, a, and that's their biggest fee a regular mutual fund's going to charge you um, in many cases let's say a half percent to a percent and a half i think standard one is one percent yeah yeah to you know to manage a fund and then you got vanguard coming in here at at uh four one hundredths of a cent. Mm -hmm. It's point for, zero four. Point yeah. zero four. Yeah, yeah. To to manage the index fund, it, which when you take in long term, when you take into account, if you just look at percentages, most of them long term are going to be close to what an index fund would get. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, index funds are even more yep. than than most of those uh, managed funds. Mm -hmm. And then when you take into account the fees cost, you end up making more long term. That's what I want to specifically focus on with index funds is they typically do better long term. Yes, yes. Because so. cause, and and I'm even starting to see some significant uh, differences in in mine just based on um, um, you know, like for instance what I'm managing myself versus what I have Vanguard managing, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm outperforming them purely because I'm not paying any management fund for mine, and even though or, or minimal management fund should I say uh, that. 0.04% versus they're charging me about 0.35% to manage a group of funds for right. me. And that's it. Instead of mutual funds, uh, we're actually into uh, ETFs, exchange traded funds. Right. The three is, main ones are index funds, ETFs, and mutual funds. Yeah. Well, and uh, now my ETFs, uh, really your ETFs are more or less um, a type of mutual fund or index fund, right? And so, um, well, the difference is, is when they can trade. So, yes. So, mutual funds trade at the be the end, end of every of day. day. Yep. And ETFs can trade at any point throughout the day. That's but besides correct. that, they're they're 
they're the same thing. Yeah, and so you can with an ETF, you can take advantage of of uh, the the funds, the stocks moving up and down throughout the day, mm-hmm. and because and, a, a news article coming out about Tesla's shares being down can make their shares go down further. Yeah, you know, it's 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 as crazy as that too. And if you have to wait till the end of the day to to trade that, so typically people with that that preach on mutual funds, they go because when you buy when. They're typically a much long mutual funds. Ideally, are a longer term idea. When you yes. buy a company, it's not because you're hoping it's going to go up tomorrow. It's because you're hoping it's going to go up over thirty years. Yes. Yes. So, yep. Yep. That's the thought process, from yes. what I understand. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's some regulations on uh, retirement accounts and stuff, and what you can do. Most retirement accounts that I, I'm aware of um, are based on mutual fund investments, not on ETF investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say I haven't really kept up with that. But that's my yeah. that's my view. Yeah, I think that, um, and, and just also to say, too, we're not financial experts. Both of us are just, yeah, just, just this, this interest of, this is like a hobby. Guys so, on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, do not take our financial advice. Um, but, uh, but no, most 401ks have a limited option. They kind of have like, they kind of have a fund choice for a different individual person in their different point of life. So, like for instance, the uh, several companies that I've worked for, it's like it, there's one option for an S and P 500 index. Yes. And then there's one option for you know a blue chip stock, and then there's one option for you know um, the bond market. You know yes. what I mean? There's just one option for each different category. Yes. And when you move those funds from a 401k. To like an IRA, that's when you get you know more control over the funds. That's correct. Yes. So so people listening too, if you don't know, a four hundred one k is an employee offered retirement plan. Your yes. limits per year that you can contribute is much higher than if you were to invid- individually start your own retirement, which is what an IRA is. An IRA is you know for an individual retirement account. Yeah. So um, or the public sector version of the four hundred one k, the four hundred three b or mm-hmm. four fifty seven accounts. Mm-hmm. And there's some others for smaller private companies too. Yeah, I don't there's the. the um, uh, yes, I know. You're, I can't think of it right now. Yeah, there's like, one that's a, it's a type of an IRA, I believe. Yeah, that's a. Um, yes, it is. It, yeah, I can't remember what it, I, I had. I had learned about it once before, but it's very, very uncommon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to the stock market too, like it's been going crazy the past like three years. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the dip from COVID just out of fear, you know, and, and companies just shutting down for a certain period of time. Um, but I more specifically, like I know that that part of the, the stuff that really excites you, but I like to talk about the economy as a whole right now because we've had, we're coming on the tail end of the highest inflation in like the past what 40 years or something yeah it's like 40 the 70s years. i believe yeah so how old were you when you first bought your house i was uh 26 years old bought the property when i was 24 and within two years or a year and a half later started building the house and um and moved in six months later how ex- how much was the interest rate on mortgages when you did that? Because it was in the teens, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we were uh, in fact a construction loan at that time was around fifteen percent, and and that was down. I mean, in the late seventies when in early eighties when the inflation was so bad, uh, you were seeing mortgage rates at twenty one percent at that time, which is insane to even think about. Yeah, That's yeah. Like this, putting it on a credit card. This generation, people don't even think in those numbers, right? Um, 
and so um, uh, I think we ended up with finally with a 15-year mortgage in the 10 to 12 percent range when it was said and done right because construction mortgages or construction loans are going to be a higher interest rate because they're not designed to have long term yes yes yeah. and um and, and we were ecstatic to get down to 10 percent you know yeah. down in that area yeah so um you know i mean of course our whole mortgage was only like sixty thousand dollars or something like that yeah but, what but, was the average income back then do you know uh my income and at that time would have been about uh, twenty thousand a year as a school teacher, like a third or fourth year school teacher. Right. So that's not bad though, in relation to how much the house cost. Yeah. No. No. It wasn't, and because uh, that was just your income, that doesn't include your wife's at the time. That, that's correct. That's yeah. correct. But it still was a pretty big chunk. I mean, that interest was mm-hmm. hitting you pretty hard back then. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think my payment back then was oh five or six hundred dollars a month. Right. Which, which at that time was a lot of money. Right. So. Well, I, I look at it more from the perspective of like there's a lot of people because um, I, I, I follow a lot of real estate agents and a lot of people that are mortgage brokers. And like I'm very interested in that sector. Um, and there's a lot of people that are saying marry, marry the house, date the rate. Okay. Have you heard that phrase yes. before? I have not, but it makes sense to me. Right. It does. But that, that's what that's the advice they're pushing right now. Because interest rates have been going between about six and a half to eight percent for the past three months, mm-hmm. but people are saying marry the house, date the rate. But the problem is, is that you can't even marry the house right now because, you know, if you look at the ratio, if, if let's say between you and in um, your wife, if you guys were making, let's call it conservatively thirty grand back then between mm-hmm. the both of you guys, mm-hmm. and you bought a six, you built a sixty thousand dollar house. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, with the land, it was. What probably 70, 75? No, that, that was with the land and everything. Oh, 60. Yes. Oh, not bad at all. Okay. Yeah. So, 60,000. I mean, if you're just talking ratios, you made your income was 50% of the cost of the house. Mm-hmm. So, I think that sh- the, the marry the house, date the rate thing was mm-hmm. amazing for back then mm-hmm. because then you could refinance to a, you know, even if you got 5%, that was insanely awesome. Yes. Um, and so you could do that. I think the problem now is the average income is still only about. 89 to 90,000 the median income not the average uh, the the median mm-hmm. uh, is about 90,000 but the average home is 450,000. Yeah. So those ratios are really off um but then if you look at interest rates wise we are actually if you look at the average interest rate the interest rates are the lowest that are below what the average of the last 50 years was because mm-hmm. the last 50 years the average was 7.75. Okay. So we're still below average. Yep. And the the house prices are just unobtainable. Just to speak for my generational generation as a millennial, like all of my friends have just given up the idea of owning a home at this point in time because it's like like to speak for my wife and I, like we had talked about like we want to be as modest as in, in what we purchase. Uh, house and vehicle wise because I feel like that's the the big difference over your lifetime because those are the two most expensive most most expensive things people will ever buy um, and we had talked about before we got married like when we buy a house like we had we would look at what we would consider a modest home mm-hmm. and even those ones would make us more than house poor if we bought mm-hmm. and I think so many people like you know ten years ago used to have people who 
um, it'd be like single guys making, you know, average income and could buy a modest home and afford it by themselves. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, unless you have two incomes, two really good incomes, you can't even afford a modest home. Yeah. yeah. At, at these, it, it, the interest rate is less of a problem. Like I know for me specifically, um, I care less about the interest rate because interest rates are always going to go up, go down. You just keep an eye on them. You, you refinance when you need to. But, but we, the thing you can't ever change is how much you pay for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like once you once you have signed that I'm paying X amount of dollars for something, that never changes. You yes. can't refinance the price of the house. You no. can only refinance the rate. That's correct. So I mean, the way I looked at it and, and I, I hadn't heard a lot of people saying this um in the past two years, but like I would rather have an affordable home at eighteen percent interest rate where the payment is very manageable mm-hmm. and then refinance it if I need to ten years later when the when the interest rates come down. The problem is is both the interest rate and the price has has priced so many people out of the market because it's really it's right now from what i understand is it's the only people that are in the market buying houses are people who make above average income mm-hmm. and they're still not buying the houses that they thought they would buy mm-hmm. and um and they're and they're really like there's a lot of people that aren't voluntarily in the market they're in the market because of like necessity because they get they, they maybe they had a rental situation that fell through and you know rent is twenty five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. and it's like well for that I'd rather buy a modest home mm-hmm. you know and and those are the only kind of people you know divorces and stuff like that too yeah um so there's just, and there's not a lot of people selling their homes either because yeah. for instance if you have a, a mortgage that's at three percent and you're on and unless you're downsizing like doing a severe downsize you have no incentive to sell your home because yeah. if you got what what whatever the balance of your mortgage is if you move that balance to a different home yeah. it's going to be at a higher interest rate and now your your cost is going up cuz i don't know about you but i can speak for my wife and i everything has gotten way more expensive in the past year yes everything well and it has and you know this is one reason now we've been in this house for uh 37 years and um, it's, you know, we, there were times when we could have upgraded. We considered at times, um, whether to, to go elsewhere. Uh, it's not overly large, but it's also not real tiny, depending on whose world you're living right. in. Yeah. It's three bedroom, two bath. I mean, good size, uh, family room, good size master bedroom in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we just decided it was more important to be comfortable than it was to to live for the house, and right. which is what becomes the the issue is is your 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 whole life becomes trying to pay for that house, and that doesn't decrease stress stress for anybody. No. Typically, when you when you move up to bigger and better, there, there was also very much a trend uh, in the early days of our house of of not overdoing it, and you know, in, in trying to keep in in a more modest house. And and I found that you know that has really worked well for us, and we've allowed us to do other things like travel and and so forth. Those those experiences that you file away in your brain forever, mm-hmm. that were probably more important than the house itself. You know, right. I mean, in reality, the your house really just needs to. It, it I look at a home like it's a tool. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's gonna it's gonna do. Does it do its job well? Yes. And then and then past that, you're you know it's it's all frill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, there's it's just like you don't need all of the 
bells and whistles because bells and whistles cost money especially when it comes to a house those add up quick you know and uh, i think so many people are concerned with you know how does their house make them look to other people instead of how do i use this as a tool you know i I, unfortunately maybe it's fortunate i haven't decided yet ask me in 50 years if it's served me well or not but i view so many things in life like especially material possessions is is they're just tools yes what do they do for me well, and, and, you know, there's times when I would rather have, or I would have liked to have a bigger house, uh, entertain more people and so forth. But how often did that happen, really? And and we've kind of found a way around it that's made our house special, and that's by building the big uh, RV carport in mm-hmm. the backyard. And that's become a kind of our social gathering spot yeah. is, is in that RV carport. So for $5,000, I built a 25-foot by 35-foot um, overhang uh, partially yeah, yeah partially closed in overhang mm-hmm. that's that's really worked nice for us and to, you and you park your your airstream underneath it yeah my airstream my second my, my vacation home exactly is, yep and you open it up and you know you, we can i mean we, we've done thanksgiving at your house for several years several now. years in a row now yeah. it's just it's where i think about thanksgiving now so yeah. and it works good and, and there's another advantage to not having too big a house is you don't want to make your children too comfortable in there because mm-hmm. then they don't want to move out mm-hmm. and uh you know so it was big enough for them to grow up in and it's and it's big enough to where you don't have to downsize once they're out that's right because yes. that's the other thing you have to consider too and i i know some people downsizing from some very large houses or or that need to downsize mm-hmm. you know from very large houses and uh you know you end up with a lot of space that's unutilized or underutilized mm-hmm. or you know ma- uh, still paying, needs maintaining and you're paying taxes on it and paying yeah. taxes yep. on it yeah yeah i mean our insurance and taxes are are as low as anybody i know you mm-hmm. know where we're at because you've been there for 37 years yep we've yep. been there for 37 years and and imagine uh, if someone bought it from you how how big of a change in oh, those yeah. things would it would be for them yes. you know yep. Yep. just your taxes alone because i mean the the value of your property has i mean gone insane since you bought it compared yes. to compared to i mean if it was a good investment if you choose to look at it as an investment yep. so yeah but um you know it's just it's become a thing at least because we're out of tampa you know we tampa had some of the worst inflation in the country in yes. the last two years with so many people moving here yes and um you know it's just one of those things where like a lot of people that were you know that i grew up with my friends and everybody that's been around here it's like they, they're making the most money they've ever made, and they feel the poorest they've ever felt. Yeah, yeah. And and that's unfortunate. I mean, I, luckily, I guess in a way, we grew up in our teenage years under a similar situation. We didn't really know any different because that's all we saw at that time. We, we saw gas prices go from... 35 cents a gallon to over a dollar a gallon mm-hmm. and and we knew that was expensive but you know we, we it wasn't coming out of our pockets mm-hmm. so we didn't feel it so much um but but you know here we are now yeah. going through it again i mean and I, I understand after the 70s when you got into the 80s all of a sudden it was like everybody felt rich uh during the reagan years when he turned the economy around and and people were becoming millionaires overnight and mm. and so forth um uh, people felt like they had more money than they ever had it, it just seemed like it was all around you right so yeah it's um it's definitely interesting um how, how much times have changed because like in 2008 i was 11 and you know i didn't know anything was wrong with the economy at that time i had no idea yep. you know and then now i watch documentaries about 
you know what finances were like for adults back then i'm like oh my goodness every household was stressed yeah you know well except except for me because i was still in the same house Mm -hmm. you know and and even though we've refinanced it to pull capital out of it several Mm -hmm. times uh you know but but we the interest rates kept getting lower and lower for us Mm -hmm. so it only you know made uh best sense Mm -hmm. to do it that way and and we intentionally did it right um so so uh, yeah you know and again having been in by that point we've been in that house for over 20 years so the the mortgage wasn't huge by any Mm -hmm. stretch of the imagination yeah yeah no it's it's definitely interesting how different people handle money um you know, cause, cause for instance, like I am very much, uh, against doing loans for as many things as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think so many, unfortunately loans should be something that's taught about in school, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, it, you know, if you ask most people to explain the difference between simple interest and compound interest, that might be the first time they've ever heard that. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't even know there was different kinds of interest. Yeah. And, you know, they, they see a percentage and they just go, okay, that the lower the number, the better. That's, I mean, they think that in their mind and in f- most instance, instances, they're correct. But it's just, it, you know, I've reframed uh, how I look at loans the more I've learned about them. And I've just gotten more into this idea that like, you know, all, all uh, for most things like, you know, credit cards, vehicles, consumer purchases outside of a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um Excuse me. Um, those interest rates, you know, mean less. But most people, if you told, if you all of a sudden, if you just made an auto loan where it no longer, basically, if you took auto loans away mm-hmm. and you went back to how it was when you were a kid, mm-hmm. which is that if somebody, I mean, auto loans, I think, became a thing when you were a kid. You know, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. We can Google that. But the auto loans, I mean, if you made people all of a sudden have to pay in cash or write a check, pay it in full mm-hmm. for a vehicle, mm-hmm. I bet you the the prices of vehicles would drop significantly. People would be – it would go back to like how your dad was, my grandfather, yes. where everyone knew how to work on cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least doing basic maintenance, everyone knew how to do that. There was no question. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't the amount of oil change places like there is nowadays. Yes. You know what I mean? Like everyone changed their own oil. Yes. It was not even a question. Yeah. You know, you rotated your own tires. You did it. I mean, you really just went to go to the shop to buy the tools you needed to do the things. And um, and I, and and so many people have just gotten so normalized with, oh, what's my car payment? And I'm like, why even have a car payment? I feel like a lot of middle class people, um, car payments are what keeps them from ever being wealthy. Yes. Well, and uh, I never owned a new car, my wife nor I, until till I was 31 years old and I don't know that I ever paid more than about 3000 maybe $4000 for a car and and that would so we're talking until 1990 you know I never paid more than that for a car because mm-hmm. that, that that does interfere with how much mortgage you can have if you're going to mm-hmm. and, and and how much you can invest yeah and how and much how you're much, gonna, yeah how, how much freedom you I mean so I always have have mentioned it several times in this podcast is just like how many people are strapped to their payments? Yes, you know what I mean. I mean, they're they they work to afford the car and the house that they have. They don't work 
to be intentional with their money and lives a, and, and lead a life that they love. Yes. And, and that's really unfortunate. Um, but we have a system that sets you up that way, and we'll go into that in just a second. So uh, it looks like car loans were for short periods, generally about, generally about 24 months and no longer than 36 months in the 1980s. Wow, now they're financing cars for like nine years now. Wow. That's crazy. I wonder. I, I, you know, I would like to learn more about when it originally happened. Here, let's see if we can find that out. When did car loans? Uh, well, how would you Google that? Start. It's got, it was one of the choices there. Or how, when did car loans get invented? <laughs> <laughs> 1919. The car loan was officially invented in 1919 when General Motors. Uh, do do establish the General Motors Acceptance Corporation. GMAC. It hold up. When was the Great Depression? Because that was that same depression. That was in uh, 1929. Great Depression. 1929 to 1939. Huh. So I bet you it was something to do with the fact that during the world, because World War One was then, wasn't it? Uh, what year did it say? 1908. 1919. Oh, 19. Well, that would have been about the time of the um, Spanish flu pandemic. And 19, 1919 was also when World War One was going on. Okay, okay. I wonder right if, at the end of it. Yeah, right at the end of it, too. Probably, probably because there was a lot of veterans coming back, yeah. and they needed a way to finance them. I, I would oh. find that interesting to learn the history of it, because it's... So that means it's been a hundred years yeah. of the auto loan. Yeah. Well, and now you look at like um, uh, the one that floors me is a loan for a boat or an RV, and most people are taking out loans that are fifteen years or longer for an RV, and mm-hmm. it's because of prices. There, there's no way a person could average person can afford that with the other things in life, yeah. and and they figure they're going to keep it for a long time. Even you know, but but the the point being is, in many cases, those RVs aren't, don't even last that long, right? And so, oh, and they um, drop like rocks in value. Most of them, yes. not Airstreams, but most of yeah. them. Well, right now, even new Airstreams are dropping like rocks. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, but yeah, mo- most of them, particularly, and 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 most people, I, I think they look at it as all right i'm gonna i'm gonna pay for it as long as i'm enjoying it mm-hmm. and then when i'm tired of enjoying it i'm just going to turn it back in again mm-hmm. and take take you know whatever hit it's or, I mean, it's a big one it's the same thing with cars though yeah, yeah the amount of people that will go upside down on their vehicles or their rvs i mean it's insane yeah yeah i mean they're i mean thousands of dollars yeah not including how much money they're paying in interest to do it yeah you know um i think if you if you showed people like just how much money they could potentially lose in every vehicle. Like I feel like, I feel like we're coming upon a time. I, I really do think we're about to hit a recession. Um, you know, s- historically speaking, when they lower interest rates, that's normally when the recession starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ha- they haven't lowered the interest rates as of today. Uh, we're in February 11th yep. uh, of 2024. I really think that we're going to have, and we're going to run into an issue where. So many people have financed so many things that I think that it's going to come back and bite them in the ass because I think that, you know, you you know, you could finance clothes now. You can finance your Amazon purchases. It's well, crazy. And a credit card, you're, you're doing that anyhow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That you can, I mean, there's wow. everything. You can finance so many things. And honestly, it's old school. And like, you know, I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey and one of the things he talks about, he's like, he's like, I'm just giving you God and grandma's advice. <laughs> and like, if you really think about it, like 
grandparents, I mean, you tell them about a credit card and they roll their eyes at you, you know, <laughs> they, they really, they pay for stuff in cash. If they don't have the money for it, they don't buy it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You know, they stick to a budget, you know, they have what they have and that's it. Well, and, and unfortunately, um, they're very good at, uh, the, the banks, the credit card companies are very good at sucking people into it. And, and if you haven't paid attention, I mean, the interest rate on credit cards is now 20 to 30% in mm-hmm. most cases, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not friendly at all. And, and what's weird about those is most people don't realize that credit cards are what's considered a revolving loan. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that means there's no set date that it's going to get paid off. That's correct. And if you make the minimum payment on it, you're going to stretch it out. I think it's what they consider 20 to 30 years or something like that. Yeah, it's like a mortgage. That. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. basically. Like uh, most people don't realize on most credit card statements, whenever you get it, it'll tell you if you make the minimum payment, how long it'll be before you pay it off. Well, if you look at how Because they're not designed to be that way, but they, they take advantage of people because if you never learned this stuff, if you didn't have a parent to teach you these things, mm-hmm. or if your parent doesn't know... You're, yeah. That's how. The, that's what they're going off of. Yes, but, and well, and 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 to the banks, this is a great way of income. You know, oh, fantastic one. And so, you know, all, all they want to do is make as much money as possible, mm-hmm. making you happy in whatever way that is. And and I haven't seen where a whole lot of people have gotten mad at banks for doing this to them. You know, but uh, it's it's what's it's what people have done now for mm-hmm. a number of years. Maybe I should my make, generation. You maybe, know? maybe I should do a, a segment of the of the podcast where I just break down individual different types of loans and explain it to them. Because <laughs> there you go. You know, most people don't like I said, compound interest versus simple interest. Yes. You know, they don't understand the difference between the two. You know, and you know, they don't they don't know how the loans they're getting work. They all they know is what their monthly payment is. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And they don't understand how. You know, if, if they get a low interest rate, they brag about it to their buddies at a bonfire. That's about it. Yep. And and no one, everyone's sitting there, go, oh, he's got a two and I've got a two and a half or whatever, yes. you know, on my vehicle. They don't, <laughs> you know, there's just, there's so many levels to it too. And, you know, um, I remember when I was, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I, I had thought uh, I should be some kind of salesman of some type. Mm-hmm. I just had to figure out what it is I wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. And I remember like you talk, you, if I mentioned that to somebody, they'd be like, Oh, go be, go be a car salesman. I'm like, I could never be a car salesman. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm like I, I just can't morally cannot drive myself to do it because yes. yes, you can make a lot of money as a car salesman, but you're taking, in my opinion, you're taking advantage of people. Yeah. Well, and I'm not sure car salesman now is, is what it was a few years ago either. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, but, especially uh, right now. Nobody's buying cars right now. And it's kind of funny. A, a lot of organizations, as they see their salesmen making big money, they start finding ways to change the percentage that mm-hmm. the salesmen get to keep mm-hmm. so that the, the, they never really get more and more successful. Mm-hmm. They they actually have to work harder to make the same kind of money. It's crazy. And so um, you know, uh, well, it depends. you got to look at each business and how it's being run. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's an interesting world economically. I feel like so many people cannot. I've always I've always said uh, during the last election, I I remember I went to your mom's house to Grammy's house and I went for a run and I remember running and I was like because I remember being on social media and how everyone was so you know everything was just politics 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 and I was like. There's too many people worried about what happens in the White House, not enough people worried about what happens at their own house. Yes. And I feel like that's, you know, it's so easy to judge other people that you feel like they have more power in your own life than you do. And, you know, I, I really do believe that, you know, most people, if they actually took the time to figure these things out, granted, 
you and I are both nerds about this stuff. So mm-hmm. you and I, well, I know I will analyze something nine ways to Sunday before I make a decision that most people, it's to a fault too. Yes. To a fault. Because sometimes I won't make a decision because I'm too busy analyzing it. You know, I wish an, I could. An analysis paralysis, yes. it's called. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, paralysis by analysis. I've definitely heard it before. I was like, that's 100% me. But, you know, um, I've I've learned to cope with it. Yes. I've learned to cope with it. Well, when you make make decisions that are going to impact you for uh, for years, potentially, you know, the last thing you want to do is uh, get buyer's remorse, Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. which is you, you didn't really... Think about the situation, analyze the situation, and you you made an emotional decision, and that emotional decision is going to cost you for years mm-hmm. now, such as paying a, a huge price for a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it in the RV market where people go out and buy a new truck, buy a new RV, and they find out, well, they're not happy with either one of them in the situation so they go and trade them both in take a huge hit to we're buy talking 50 percent decrease in price yeah and if if you're lucky yeah <laughs> and then they buy a bigger truck and a bigger trailer mm-hmm. and, and and they roll the negative equity into it yep roll the negative equity into it and and they hurt even more at that point so it's wild um yeah it, it is and uh so taking the time to think things out i think is beneficial and you know, uh, sleeping on sleeping on those decisions. Oh, I give everything twenty four hours. Not even just sleeping on it. At yeah. least give it twenty four hours, yeah. especially something like that. You know, I, I'm I'm to a fault analytical. Like I said, like it'll be months that I'll have been thinking about purchasing something that's a hundred bucks. And I'll say, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the paralysis by analysis. Um, but I have learned to cope with it. I actually read a book um, recently called The Four Hour Work Week for the podcast. We read it for the podcast. I'm doing a book club with some other buddies now for mm-hmm. the podcast. And um, on in that book, he had talked about. He's like, you know, for the people like me and you, where you get the paralysis by analysis, he says, fine. What it is, whatever it is you're wanting to buy, find you know three different options, mm-hmm. not four, not five, just three different options. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Pick one of the three options. Mm-hmm. Research those three options as much as you want, but most of the time, it's so easy to get overstimulated by all of the options. Yes. He goes, come up with three options mm-hmm. and then pick one. Mm-hmm. He's like, he he said that uh, what is it? The enemy of good is the best, or something like that. Something to the effect of like you know. Would you rather make a decision that's 90% what you want mm-hmm. than never make a decision because you couldn't find something that's 100%? Yes. yes. So, you know. Yeah, you'll never find anything 100%. That's I understand that philosophy, yeah. too. Yeah. And yeah. so... But but as far as the economy goes, I think it's going to be a tough year for a lot of people, unfortunately. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um when in fourth quarter 2023, um, uh, the market was moving up nicely. Um, You're referring to the stock market. The stock market, yes, excuse me. And, um, you know, there's been talk on and off for the last year and a half about a possible recession, which didn't really materialize in 2023. Still some talk about it into 2024. Um, but I, I went ahead at the end of 2023, about the around the 20th of December, when things were still moving up nicely, I went ahead and, and sold off some of my um, ETFs and and decided to just go in cash uh, money markets paying f- about five and a quarter percent right now which is what most cds will do so yeah. interest rate wise you're not doing the best that you could do mm-hmm. but you're doing really good considering the liquidity meaning yeah. 
cash. Yeah, and and and, and understand um, with my investments, I need a, about five or six percent return to keep from getting into uh, the capital of my investments mm-hmm. and and just keep me going. So so that kept me on the low end of things if if the market would handle the other end of it. Mm-hmm. So so I've got about um, oh approximately. 20% of my um, assets in cash right now mm-hmm. and just, just sitting there. And I, if I see the time to reinvest, I'm guessing as a um, presidential election year that the market will probably go up at some point. Um, I'm, I'm guessing after June. And I may jump back in a little bit more in the market at that point, but but I'm kind of watching, and and that's one of the advantages I have of managing my own money, is is I can be very spontaneous as I need to, um, and 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 jump jump in and jump out of things. And I don't I haven't historically done that. I've been one. I sat on one mutual fund that didn't do anything for 20 years, and I just sat on it. It was negative equity the whole time, and and finally ended up selling it 20 years later at about the price that I bought it for. Oh, no. And so I made no money on yeah, it yeah. over 20 years. Um, and this was based on somebody's recommendation, a, a professional that was oh, kind of yeah. new in the market. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and, and I'm sure she made her money off of it you know, mm-hmm. somehow or another. Mm-hmm. But uh, Convincing other people to buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but uh, you know, I've, I've been watching my individual ETFs. I have some, some market ones. Uh, I have some sector ones. Uh, in information technology, I've got an information technology one that that's got a long history. The Vanguard information yeah. technology has done really well over the years. Last thirty years has just gone bananas for those things. You yeah, know, I, I, the IT world, the the technology world since the internet has just, you know, the IT world fifty years ago was not anything to to be excited about, but you know, it's it's blown up. And I think a, a lot of like what they talked about on that Vanguard video you sent me was the um, uh, AI. And how mm-hmm. all these AI companies now are coming to the surface, and now there's this race to the top of, of artificial intelligence. Yes, um, and I think it's it's going to be huge. I think it's going to affect the labor market too. Um, I, here's what I think, um, and because we've talked about your Vanguard um, video that, w- that we watched, but I sent you some videos too from um, there's there's two YouTubers that I really like, uh, Graham Stephan mm-hmm. and RJ Talks. I don't know who what who RJ Talks is, but it's just he he owns this real estate software that um, but he makes a lot of financial videos and I, I love his content because he actually they all they both of them they analyze and review stuff and say why they believe what they believe but I really think that real estate is going to take a hit this year and and the reasons I believe that too are the interest rates have risen the fastest they've ever risen before mm-hmm. they they have never moved the interest rates this quickly. Um, and I think that is also going to mean the economy is going to crash the fastest it's ever crashed, <laughs> um, which is, I think, not an intended effect because their intended effect is to have this quote unquote soft landing. Mm-hmm. But from the, the videos I've watched explaining um, historically what happens when people, when they lower interest rate, that's typically when the economy begins to collapse. Mm-hmm. But inflation, so, so what, what the Federal Reserve tries to do is they're trying to control inflation. Yes. Inflation being, they want it to be around 2% per year. Yes. Um, and it was, you know, 9, 10% the last couple of years. So they're getting close to that number. But the problem is, is that when inflation hits its peak, it typically isn't felt by the average consumer for about a year. 
Mm-hmm. There's a there's a delay factor there, mm-hmm. and I think that they're not anticipating that delay as much because, you know, the interest rates peaked in November, mm-hmm. so we're not going to feel the effect of that peak. In my opinion, the average is about eleven to twelve months before the consumer feels it, mm-hmm. and so to me, if, if the average is about eleven months, so let's go. It's October November of this year. It it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really tough because that's when they had interest rates peaking, uh, and they're still high now. I think that going into twenty twenty five, I think you know, his, his, if we're just looking at statistics, um, the, during the pandemic, you had record low, um, record low uh, uh, bankruptcies and foreclosures. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like super, super low, mm-hmm. and. That's going to average out. Everything is an average over time. <laughs> and I think that there is going to be a giant spike in those things. And, and the reason I believe that, so I think that, you know, the, the Federal Reserve just met a week or two ago and they decided to hold yes. the rate, which everyone anticipated they were going to hold the rate. Yes. Um, because as all this new information is coming out on what inflation was, inflation was not at the number that they wanted it to be at. So I think that, um, that, that, Come March is the next time they meet to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would there's there's kind of like hit or miss on whether they're going to keep it there or not. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to hold it there, and I think it probably won't be until about May when mm-hmm. they start to cut the rates. And I think when they do, they're going to. I think they're going to learn why they shouldn't have done the interest rate increase as fast as they did, mm-hmm. because it's not going to be a soft landing. I think it's going to be a crash landing. Oh. And, and you know, I, I admit that's not my specialty so much. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you that somewhere in second quarter is probably when they're going to start cutting the rates back. Um, you know, I don't think it'll go back to, to the, you know, basically zero percent that it was. Not for a um, long time. No, not for a long time. But but uh, e- even if they drop it two percent, it's it's that's a huge I mean, that's enough. Two percent is enough to typically refinance a house on. Mm-hmm. Is is that a two percent drop in the interest rate? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um, with the presidential election, and right now things are so um, fragile with that and everything that's going on with the current president and the, huh. and the past president. You know, yeah. that uh, that who knows what's going to happen. Right. And but presidential election years historically are financially not bad years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody uh, or the people that are in office want to make it look as good as possible. Right. So they will make moves. But we've got we're, our, our uh, deficit in the country is so high right now that that you think at some point that's got to impact us. And so um, can I can I tell you some other things that I've that I've learned from watching those videos, I don't know if one of the videos I sent you showed this too is the amount of so, so we're having we're now having this mass retirement of the baby boomers right now. Yes, because the baby boomer generation, which is your generation, yes, uh, is now moving into retirement, and they they hold the largest amount of wealth per the age group. Yes, um, but a lot of people in your age group that did not handle their finances well during that time mm-hmm. are living strictly off of Social Security. Mm-hmm. Social Security does not pay enough money in most cases for people to live during high inflationary periods like right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Was it 50, 60 percent of people, you know, if they missed a paycheck, it would be detrimental to their finances. Yes. Um, 
they and that was before inflation. Yes. When you add that inflation in there, no, there's 50 to 60% of the population that cannot absorb that financial hit. Yes. And because they, you know, they have car payments, they have student loans. Student loans just started back up in October too. Yep. Yep. So that's something that we haven't even mentioned, but that's a factor. And then, you know, all of these additional things. So you have a portion of people that are retiring that are well off because they've always handled their stuff right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've, they've had that um, buffer in their budget to where if their car insurance goes up and their phone bill goes up and food and grab, you know, they can absorb that extra hit. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that cannot absorb that hit. Yes. And I think, you know, they're going to be a large part of that, of what's going to cause the economy. Like, Either prices are going to have to come down or people are going to have to get paid more. And people who are on Social Security aren't going to get paid more. No, no. And that's the unfortunate. I mean, we did have a really good increase in Social Security um, for 2023. I mean, we went up, what, almost 9%, 8, 8.7%. Is that what they give the raise in Social Security for? Yes. I didn't yes. know. I thought it, I thought they just did it 3% every year regardless. No, no. Uh, the, our pensions historically, like uh, my school district uh, pension, historically had been three percent but social security follows inflation so it does oh. it does go up i went up okay 8.7 percent last year and i think it was 3.4 percent this year well the problem with that though is that if you pay somebody eight percent more and it just tracks inflation what it doesn't track is how everything didn't just get eight percent more expensive everything got 25 to 50 percent more expensive well they're saying the the overall was 8.7 right. percent which is where they came up with this and and here's the problem with the social security thing is um first of all most people i think it's 60 percent of the country uh gets into um social security they start the social security at age 62 the minimum age mm-hmm. which means you're taking a reduced amount mm-hmm. and in in most people's cases that that amount of social security only comes covers about a quarter of their income and 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 if you don't have other sources of income at that point or minimal amounts of, of income then then boy you've left yourself a big gap and even mm-hmm. if your house is paid off trying to stay up with that is is very challenging um, if investments aren't doing well I mean I retired at a time and investments started dropping mm-hmm. and even though I it's not my main income I was still taking some income from it and so I was pulling out principal in essence and not pulling out interest that I made off of the money mm-hmm. and and so I reduced my investments a little bit mm-hmm. you know over the years so now I'm trying to let that now that the uh, the market has gone up over the last uh, eight nine months uh, pretty nice that then I've been trying to let that build back up again mm-hmm. and, um, and and it's slow process in getting there and who knows you know with the dips and uh, peaks along the way what what that'll really look like yeah. And so uh, I keep pretty good track. I, I particularly track it like on a quarterly basis. Um, I, even though I'm watching it daily, I, I know where I am. Mm-hmm. But but uh, my, my spreadsheet is just to look kind of the big picture. Where am mm-hmm. I every quarter? Right. And um, I, I think you're making a great decision with the cash too, because I mean, if you you read about Warren Buffett and his company Berkshire Hathaway. I know who they are. I haven't been reading. About they are them. sitting on the biggest cash reserve they've ever had. Really? Okay. By like by, by percentage and dollar amount, the biggest okay. they've ever had. Yeah. They're waiting for this ticking time bomb to break. Yeah. Well, I've told you before. I watched that documentary. I want to say it's called Hank. I can't remember, but it's about Hank Paulson. Um, okay. I think that's his name. 
Hank Paulson was the Secretary of the Treasury during 2009, okay. during the, the big financial collapse. He basically yep. said that, you know, there was there was a, a time where like they they had like less than 24 hours to figure something out, or you know, something was gonna really bad was gonna happen. So, um, but he said that he didn't make this documentary to like you know gloat about how good of a job he did. He said I made this documentary because nothing's like gonna change until people are telling everybody it has to change because this is gonna happen again Mm -hmm. you know and i think it's a fantastic documentary if you can find it and watch it it is i mean i've watched it like three times i enjoy it that much because he talks about the breakdown of it's like a timeline of what happened Mm -hmm. from his point of view which i mean what better point of view than be the the secretary of the treasury when the economy's falling apart Yes. yes and um and I don't know. I, I love that stuff. Watching about what happened in two thousand nine. He goes, "This is this is. I'm making this as a warning to what's going to happen again in the future." Well, and you know, in the country is heading more and more away from pensions and more towards personal investments. Mm-hmm. And I know people during that two two thousand eight two thousand nine collapse that lost 40 or 50 percent of their investments and i say that you know they they depreciated that much and and people that were planning on retiring at that time or that did retire really took a massive hit well the issue wasn't that they they that their value of the stuff went down the issue was the value went down and they sold it Yes. They yes. sold it for a loss. Yes. That yeah. was the issue. Yeah. yeah. And that's what – it's really hard to um, write out the emotional side of these things because you don't know how much they're going to go down uh, during uh, time periods like that. Mm-hmm. And um, – you know, I, I've done some interesting things. I'm, I'm getting much better at this bit of riding out the highs and the lows, and and I say or taking advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Sell high, buy low. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that, and again, another reason to sit on a bunch of cash right now and wait till you know. Um, uh, I I feel like it's a time to start going. There's something severely undervalued. That's yes. really what you're looking for. Yes, is, is you know something that's severely undervalued. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so, um, um, you know, I, I do my share of reading to try to make my investments. Where it's do you get like, your information from? Um, I I read uh, the, the Fox business. I read uh, actually through AOL, where I, uh, that I use an AOL AOL app. Um, they they actually have a variety of. Um, of um, articles or different news organizations, but uh, and also another one too. Um, I use the Apple Stocks tracker on mm-hmm. my on my iPhone, and and it has a lot of articles in there too um, that will tell you what's going on at any given day or mm-hmm. period of time on on tracking that. And so I I, I am you know always looking for what I think are young, uh, up and rising, you know, technology, uh, even though I, I've also dumped some money into, um, industrial stocks too, mm-hmm. and trying to balance that portfolio in that manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have pulled out all my money out of real estate that I had or in the real estate sector mm-hmm. ETF. And, uh, um, you think it hit its high. It, it, well, and I, I don't, yeah, I, it, it was, it's, it wasn't doing well in its history 
because it includes not only residential but commercial oh, real commercial estate. Commercial hit, yeah, mm-hmm. is 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 not great, you know. Anyhow, mm-hmm. and um, and so, uh, but yeah, like consumer discretionary. I have some money in to mm-hmm. uh, you know try to hit a variety of different areas. Though I will say, I mean, I have a lot of money into the the big boys, the the big seven as they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's the mega cap. Uh, ETF, whether it's information technology ETF, right. whether it's S and P ETF, you know. Uh, I heard um, a discussion. I don't remember. Couldn't tell you where. Uh, well, first things first. I wanted to tell you Investopedia. If you ever heard of it, it's a website. Yes, Investopedia. I love their stuff. I read their articles pretty okay. much daily. Yep. Um, I, I love that they've always got new stuff coming out. Um, but so, what was I gonna, where was this point I was getting ready to make? Um, in, investors, investors business daily is another one that I know somebody that f- has followed or a couple of people that have followed that one through mm-hmm. the years too. Oh, um, I can't remember what I was going to mention. I was going to we were talking about commercial real estate. Yeah, oh, oh, I, I was going to extrapolate a little bit on what I think is going to happen. I think that the, um, when they do start to lower interest rates, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, that would be you're going to see an influx of people go to put their home up because right now i think the average mortgage interest rate is about four percent for people who bought before 2020 Mm -hmm. um and i think those people are going to sit on those mortgages Mm -hmm. until interest rates get closer it Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be exactly that number but there's going to be a lot of pressure for people to want to sell i think there already is too um but uh they want to sell but they just can't that makes the least financial sense for most people Mm -hmm. because of interest rates but um you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they do start to lower interest rates. I think that the election, the the good part about the election, or, you know, what people are saying is election years are typically good. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. No. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tough because it's I think it's just coinciding with really bad inflation at the wrong time. Yeah, I think that's going to be what really happens. Now, as far as the business side that you were mentioning, the big set, the big seven businesses, um, I, this is what I was going to tell you earlier. So you mentioned pensions and 401ks. Mm -hmm. So the difference for people that don't know is a pension was a, it was a retirement account that was given to you. I mean, it was, it was not operated. Like Keith did not operate his pension. had no control over it. Nothing to control it. Um, Other than make more money. Which is, right, exactly. Exactly. Make more income from, from your salary. So the... The, the bad part about pensions is you have no control over it. You know, mm-hmm. the, whatever investment they put it in is what they put it in. Yes. That you have no control. Now, the good part is, is that everyone who worked for a company that had a pension, mm-hmm. you didn't get, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you couldn't opt into a pension. You either got it or you didn't. That's correct. You either you well, got you, it or you, you didn't you, work. You, you yeah, you actually, you were in it, period. Right. There, there so was no option. Everyone had an option for it. So 401ks benefit the individual who uses them. Yes. The problem here. Sorry, that's rubbing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Here, let me move your microphone a little bit. But um, so pensions benefit people who use them. Or I'm sorry, four one ks benefit people who use them. Yes. The problem is, is that most people will not use a four hundred one k because they like it's the voluntary act of doing it. Yes. So that means that it is cheaper for companies to to give people four hundred one ks as well. Because mm-hmm. they offer a match. That's their idea of offering the pension, right? So the match yes. is, here's the money that we're contributing if you contribute. Yes. But that's the thing is most people won't contribute. So these companies, um, like someone was talking about how the the the, the companies that aren't um, 
aren't like helping people to get 401ks or, or, or retirement accounts mm-hmm. that contribute the least amount to retirement accounts for the amount of employees that they have like the ratio is really off like think about people that work at walmart long term mm-hmm. i mean most of them cannot afford to put into a retirement account yeah but walmart yeah. goes oh yeah we've offered a 401k with a match program and it's like yeah but most of your people aren't contributing to it and most of the people that are working there are going to have to get government assistance like you by doing by operating your business the way you have and it's mm-hmm. not saying that they can't do it it's completely legal they're doing it but they are making a bunch of employees who are going to be reliant upon the government so it's it's like yeah because of walmart not taking care of their employees there's no punishment Um, well here's the other thing too is is they can offer a little more salary to these people mm -hmm. which attracts them to the company get attracts a better Mm -hmm. employee to the company without with less commitment in essence Mm -hmm. you know there Mm -hmm. and and employees have become very salary sensitive Mm -hmm. and that's the that that is their number one focus and most of them don't look at the other piece of the the um, 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 benefits package that's included, whether that's mm-hmm. health insurance, whether whether it's long term health insurance and the options, mm-hmm. that's thing killing most of my generation that can't retire is because of health insurance, cost mm-hmm. of health insurance. Yeah, uh, and I think I here's the to get political for a second. The problem with the government. So when I was in when I was in college, I had a business professor uh, at the just community college, and one of the things he said, he's like, he asked us, what's the what is the job of the federal government? He's like, everybody everybody that here is working, you know what your job is. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it's to bag groceries, it's bag groceries. If it's to make pizzas, it's make pizzas. You mm-hmm. know what your job is. Mm-hmm. What's the job of the federal government? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit, I've never had to answer that question before. <laughs> and I think that's half the problem is, is that most of the people that are in the federal government don't know what their job is. Yeah, and. And he was saying he's like in really in reality the federal government should be taking care of like operating the military yes and making sure monopolies can't exist mm-hmm. and I feel like they have done a terrible job of making sure monopolies can't exist <laughs> because I mean in reality so many people think that the president is the one who runs this country mm-hmm. and I really don't believe that it is I think it's the people who own the majority of the businesses here so it's you know you know state street you know those those giant you know vanguard they really own the giant companies and the giant companies i mean they pay have you ever looked at how much some of the big companies pay for lobbyists oh uh, it's It's, tremendous it's it's insane i mean you can be a very lucrative person if you become a lobbyist for a big corporation yes and i think that that is one and i like capitalism but Mm -hmm. that is a huge negative side of capitalist like you know you know charlie munger is no charlie munger was uh warren buffett's business partner he passed away recently um but one one of the famous quotes he said said is that um show me the or show show me the incentive and i'll show you and i'll tell you where the money goes kind of thing like that (laughs) something along those lines yes but but in reality people respond to incentives Mm -hmm. and the the current um government structure federal government structure we have for businesses it it makes these companies become monopolies it's yes. insane and, yes. it, and it's um you know it's it's crazy because those, those they determine what happens in the movement of this country yes and and i think that that's a huge problem um and as somebody who likes freedom Mm-hmm. And I'm very much a you know a pro like leave me the hell alone person. Mm-hmm. You know I think that there should be more regulation when it comes to big business. Mm-hmm. You know I think that if they made it to where it was a tax, where if Walmart wasn't wasn't having a percentage of their profits 
going to retirement accounts, mm-hmm. then they should have it. They should have to pay that out in taxes. Because mm-hmm. then I bet you they'll fix it. <laughs> I bet you that all of a sudden the people who who get who pay the or get the most government assistance all of a sudden aren't going to need it as much because they'll have more money. Yeah, you know, and it's just. And well, you just have to get creative. And these and these ultra rich people, I mean, they they're getting as they get up in age that that um, their um, world of philanthropy has become massive. I mean, Bill Gates, that's all he worries about mm-hmm. is is trying to figure out how to improve the world by by using the money that he's made all these years. Mm-hmm to to control what's happening mm-hmm. i mean here in hillsborough county schools alone uh the bill and melinda gates foundation funded a hundred million dollar grant the largest grant ever given to a school district um to try to improve education he felt that was important and uh, there was a total i think of four or five school districts throughout the country we had we got the largest one we were the largest school district to get one mm-hmm. and um and and you know so he's trying to improve now the funny part is before it was over with he ended up pulling the grant the last year or two really? uh, yeah because well we 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 uh, it was it became a, a a different time we had a new superintendent mm-hmm. uh, there were issues financially as well as um, um, in in the business of schools mm-hmm. and they they needed to address that and focus less on the aspect of that grant right so it's very interesting yeah it's very interesting because because i mean have you looked at in the i saw a statistic where it was talking about the average ceo pay versus the average employees pay so the average employees pay in the last 50 years i think has gone up by 20x Mm-hmm. The average CEO's pay has gone up by 3,000x. <laughs> so in relation to how much the CEO makes in relation to their average employee, those numbers are very skewed compared to where they were years ago. Mm-hmm. So your incentive now is to be a business owner. Yes. Not to be an employee. Yeah. And, you know, if for people who want to start businesses, that's a great idea. But I would say 99% of people aren't going to start businesses. You know, and that's been the push for a number of years. Uh, I remember back, and I want to say it was, I can't remember, late 80s, early 90s, when the NAFTA agreement was formed, which opened up borders to, like, countries of Mexico and and, uh, put us in a much um, um, equal, more equal uh, trade agreement i said at that time americans would go into mexico and and start their or start running businesses down there mm-hmm. and 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 you know that we would profit that way and um you know but but you're correct i mean there's there's definitely only a percentage of people of course we have a lot of people in this country that have started businesses and failed mm-hmm. and either lose the enthusiasm for it or um or you know can't the, the i think the average rich person has probably um, been involved in numerous fail, failed businesses before they got there and before they got to be enriched mm-hmm. and uh and yet most people don't have the fortitude uh stamina to withstand that for a long or the finances to withstand yeah. that for a long period of time and so um it takes it takes a different breed of person um many cases people that were had nothing growing up who are just dog determined mm-hmm. they're never going to be poor again and and they're willing to sacrifice everything to to get out of that world yeah. 
and and I do know some of those people, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting. But I just I think there's it, you know, when you were growing up in the seventies, eighties, nineties, that um, you know, it was it was normal to have a regular job and be able to easily i mean not easily i mean you have Mm -hmm. to you know you have to be modest yes but you could you could live a normal life and now i feel like normal is no longer modest and normal has become you know how how rich can you look on the outside and i think that where there's about about to be a great reset financially for a lot of people in this country yeah um too many people what's warren buffett's quote uh it's uh when when the tide goes out you'll see who's skinny dipping and i think you're about to find out that a lot 50 to 60 percent of average americans i think we're skinny dipping and inflation's pulling the tide out you yeah. know so uh, i'm interested to see what's going to happen hopefully you know we'll both come out in a year and we can go you know uh unfortunately you know you benefit off that kind of thing you know yeah. if you can um and hopefully don't succumb to it so uh i think i think that's going to be the second half of this year when we're going to see that well that'll be real interesting and you know i hope i always have a lot of confidence in this country and in capitalism in general that you know we we've created the um strongest country in the world in many ways and um um you know, we seem to always pull out of it, even with our little ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, I, do I worry about the again the amount of uh, deficit spending that we you know our, our deficit for this country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, and it's you know, and it's and it's gotten so much worse in just the last uh, ten years, and um, and and that's not going to help things in many ways to go back to the social security thing um one of the things i thought about earlier when we were talking about that is how social security is essentially a ponzi scheme Mm -hmm. it's a government-ran ponzi scheme okay it it is paid out for like the money that they're paying you is paid for from the people who are still paying into it yes yes and it's going to be a little bit lopsided that's another thing too is you have the the so many baby boomers yes going into retirement taking social security there's not enough people paying into it to yes. pay out so it's going to keep going that's going to drive the debt as well and i think that that's that's something that has to be solved I, can i can i explain i don't know if i've told you this before i have come up with a what i believe is a solution for that uh, let me find the do, 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 do. so i had a do 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 uh, do so what if I put I put what if you contribute ten percent or more of your income into a qualified retirement account? Qualified maybe meaning a diversified, you know, by whatever metric the government decides to do. If they made it to where anybody who paid into Social Security, um, that like like for instance, right now I pay into Social Security mm-hmm. and and have a retirement fund, mm-hmm. but Social Security is supposed to be for my retirement. Mm-hmm. But I mean, historically speaking, you know as well as I do that. If you had invested that in an index fund, mm-hmm. uh, an S and P five hundred index for that same amount of time, you would ha- you would have been way at way better off. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I think that they should make it to where, if I'm contributing to a retirement account for myself, that I don't have to pay into Social Security. Mm-hmm. I would much rather do that. I think that the minimum amount that you should have to put into retirement should be the minimum amount they give you in Social Security. Yeah. But, but am, am I wrong? Was that not a good idea? Yeah, no, and 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 um, you know that that makes a lot of sense in a in in many ways. But if you could go back to the whole point that people 
aren't very good managers of their money. Mm -hmm. And so unless, you know, unless they're forced to do it. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is you're paying the government to manage your money for you. With the Social Security. With Social Security right. and, and what you're putting into it. And it's pretty substantial what you're putting into it. I right. Mean, That's what I'm saying. Like if I had the option to opt out of Social Security. Yes. It, and the, my way of opting out of it was mean I had to take that same amount of money yep. and invest it myself. Like I would do that in a heartbeat because yep. I'm going to, I'm, you know, they're going to manage capitalism will manage the money much better than my government will <laughs> yes you know and um I, I i truly believe that and i wish that they would offer something like that i also would put something in there too that you know to incentivize the government to to, to hold inflation i put that um for every one percent that inflation is above the two percent minimum i feel like they should decrease everybody's taxable income for the year by 10 percent no there you go drop them down to 10 i mean because because most people's tax bracket is going to be in the 12 to 22 percent range mm -hmm. and yep. the government would take a huge financial hit by doing that yes yes so i mean i'm not going to be the one to tell the congress that they should maybe look at doing that <laughs> but i mean how much better would that government be at serving its people yeah. if the government themselves well, took a financial hit from the people taking a financial well, hit. Remember there's a huge push right now though from the the, the liberal side of of um, of the population for the government to do more for them, not to do less for them. And <sighs> and so people want less and less responsibility and mm -hmm. more and more support. Ugh, it kills me because I, I I tested in high school in my e economics class. I tested that this is in 2011 12 mm -hmm. i had they they they, they took a, you take a questionnaire 10 20 questions whatever and it tells you which political party you most align with mm -hmm. i was i had at that time mostly aligned as a democrat mm -hmm. which is so funny because so many people think i'm republican and i would probably say i'm neither of them because i hate them both so very much <laughs> and i'm very much a center person but like i think about that social security problem it's like my least favorite thing is get government involved because mm -hmm. to me i think about government is like a, when you play a game of monopoly mm -hmm. the government's the person with the rule book mm -hmm. you know nobody remembers all of the rules of monopoly yeah. so you keep having to ask that person and you take what they say is their word is bond <laughs> if they decide to lie a little bit you know they're going to do it to advantage themselves yeah. you know i think that they need to they need to set a level playing field for business to happen on and i don't think that they are i think they're incentivizing um, big business right now. Big business doesn't. The only time big business wants what the same thing that people want is whenever it hurts big business. Yeah. So, and, yeah. I, and I'm a capitalist person. I like capitalism. Yeah. I just think that, you know, without but, going too far into socialism, you know, there needs to be this you know, balance. And I feel like the balance is off. Man, and 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 unfortunately, money drives people good, bad, and indifferent, and 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 drives. Um, um, you know the whole direction that that we head into, whether whether you have a corrupt government stealing money, uh, or the people working under them, you know that are are um, uh, in essence stealing the people's money. Mm -hmm. um, one way or the other, th there are people that are willing to do whatever it takes to make the money to get the money. Um, you know, and yet you've got your general population who, hey, I want to live a nice life. I want to have a home, three car, a three bedroom, two bath home, two car two garage, car, two car garage, right. you paved know. driveway, exactly, yeah. an acre of land. And and many of us are, are content with that. And probably if everybody kind of had that, it would it, their whole life, 
it would probably be a more level playing field for everybody. But but for those that have sacrificed or have seen the other side, they, they know nothing but big money, big finances, big house, power, and mm-hmm. so forth. You know, that's its own uh, adrenaline junkie itself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they, they want to continue after that. That person that wants their own private jet, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so so you've got a lot of different things happening out there, and uh, we definitely have gone through a phase where uh, the unions over the last um, what, f- 15, 20 years now, unions were pushed out of the market, um, taking the power away because, you know, people making $80,000 a year working on an assembly line was was a little bit ridiculous. And um, and then, they you know, the focus became get a college education, get a college. Everything everything was about get a college education. And that's and, become inflated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and now, now that's, you know, getting turned around. I mean, people were getting degrees that uh, that really didn't mean a whole lot. Uh, sports management, come I, on. I swear when I have kids, I, I want them to be plumbers. That's <laughs> the best <laughs> well, job. Well, and, and, you know, and, and who knows what that'll look like when your kids grow up, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found is uh, find the river. Find where the river's flowing and mm-hmm. follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I came out of college or even when I was in college, I decided to become a math teacher or had, you know math was my strength. Uh, teaching there were a lot of jobs out there so you, you get in that part of the river and I, I did that until I saw well computers was a growing thing personal mm-hmm. computers got involved in that and followed the stream down you in saw, that part you, of you it. You followed stuff that was high demand. High demand yeah. exactly yeah. where there were going to be a lot of jobs in, in uh, late 90s um, when when I was thinking about going into administration or, or you know leadership in some form or fashion, uh, there was a huge demand for school leaders, and um, and I, went, I still remember going and sitting in uh, the auditorium with three hundred of my best friends in the school district, listening to the district try to convince us why we wanted to become school principals, mm. and um, and I started heading down that road, and it and it and it. You know, it took me uh, what, four years, to, four or five years to get my first leadership position, and then another um, another seven years before I became a school principal. Uh, but it was the ride I took, and it was again where the water was flowing, mm-hmm. and and it made it a lot easier mm-hmm. to go down that road. So right. who knows what it's going to look like for your kids? Yeah, and you've got to be open minded. Um, oh yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like historically speaking, yeah, like uh, plumbers make more than doctors over their lifetimes, yeah. but uh, especially if they own their own, own their own business. <laughs> it, when you when you compare the cost of the education with how much money they make a year. Plumbers yeah. can make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, but, but that hasn't always been true, unfortunately, and it is it is now. Yeah. Um, but but there were times when the plumbers weren't making money, and that became kind of the issue. Yeah. Uh, or they would make it when, like, when the housing, uh, housing market was strong, people in construction. I was one I kind of... St- Mm-hmm. Stuck in my mind, you know, uh, do I become a building contractor or something like that, electrician, whatever. And when the market's strong, yeah, they make good money. But but then there's those downsides mm-hmm. when the when the market starts falling that it's hard to make a buck even. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, you know, that's 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 been my aim. Just keep your eye keep your eye on on what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. Make if, yourself if, valuable. Yeah, get make your head out. Valuable. Get your head out of the sand. Yep, mm-hmm. make yourself valuable. 
See where the market that, is. That's a huge thing I would say is an issue with my generation is they don't want to make themselves valuable. Yeah. They, they see themselves as, you know, like the government needs to take care of me. The, the company needs to take care of me. And I'm like, you're, but you're not valuable. Why would, why would you? It, there's been this like huge culture shift of like, you know, like just hiring warm bodies with a heartbeat. You know what I mean? That's really all the, the, the and they think that makes them special because they're alive. And it's like, no, you need to make yourself special. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the real um, uh, catalyst for me to uh, go into education, we knew that teachers didn't make a lot of money per se. Um, but as both my parents were in education, they always had a fairly nice house, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as, as, as they got towards retirement, they were able to afford cars and so forth. And then I looked around at other teachers and, and saw how they were living. And they were all living with the, with the pension and so forth that they mm-hmm. were getting from it. They were all living a good life, especially as they got towards retirement. And, and there was something to be said for that, that they weren't mm-hmm. struggling through the years. Now, unfortunately, the teacher pension isn't what it was, right. you know. And um, and in these days, if you're not if you're not managing on you know managing some investments as well, mm-hmm. you don't have some decent investments, you're not going to be living that great life. Right. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that there's a lot of people too. At least with me, I've really changed my whole outlook of retirement too. Mm-hmm. Um, where because you know there's your traditional you know retirement thing of you know when you get to about 62 to 65 to once you start collecting social security you know start to to retire mm-hmm. um i've gotten to the point that i uh, my my uh my philosophy for retirement is i want to never have to retire or never i never want to retire mm-hmm. but i want to have the capacity to retire as soon as i can mm-hmm. that's really all i want yeah because because that's financial freedom retirement is just having financial autonomy yes. to choose what you do with your time yes but i think that a lot of people, if they don't have a job when they retire, they go crazy. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and it's just like with what my life looks like now compared to what it looked like two and a half years ago. Um, you know, I've, I've I got rid of that day to day stress, which will kill you if you're not mm-hmm. careful. Mm-hmm. I've replaced it with a uh, a chunk of my day and exercise and socializing at mm-hmm. the gym and mm-hmm. and so forth, and then. Uh, working at the college part time, I look at managing my investments as, as one of my jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have time to sit there and pay closer attention. When when you were working, you really couldn't right. watch things on a day to day basis. You right, didn't, that wasn't a priority. Um, you know, so uh, doing more projects myself, um, I'm getting pretty good. I mean, uh, uh, even on on. Uh, um, our groceries and so forth, and 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 managing how much money I spend on eating. Mm, oh, it's so easy. That's the easiest category to overspend on. Yes, and and so um, you know, I, I I was doing uh, some of those mail order dinners for a while, and I learned I learned a lot about cooking through mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. Collected a bunch of recipes, and now I've gotten where all right, I, I can do some of these, and and I'm actually at a point where I'm saving some some serious money versus ordering them. They were nice for a while, but uh, but but now you know I'm 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 learning to find more recipes online. Mm-hmm. Uh, determine you know I, the other day I I wanted to, I had some sockeye salmon, and I'd never cooked sockeye salmon before, which yeah, which, it's easy. 
Well, and and uh, I, I've cooked regular salmon before, the farm raised mm-hmm. salmon, but that's a little it's different. different. It's yeah. very different, yeah. And and so, um, um, you know, I found the a recipe was nice, mm-hmm. and and I tried it. Then it even suggested, you know, cooking asparagus with it and so forth. And mm-hmm. and by George, it came out to be a, an okay <laughs> meal after all. You yeah, know? You're, you're pursuing different things, and I, I think that's the thing with retirement is you have to be pursuing. You know, you know. I, I think too many people go into retirement and it kills them because they just stop doing yes. stuff. They get dementia. They get you know Alzheimer's. Their their brain falls apart. And gray know, matter. Got to keep that gray matter working. Right. Yeah. Your your. I mean, if you just view your brain as a muscle mm-hmm. and you have to work it out. Yep. Then you know, I think you'll be fine. You have yes. to. You have to be working on something. I mean, you know, my thought was like, what would I do if I retired and I had financial autonomy at age sixty five? I'm like, well, I'd probably start my own business. <laughs> I'm like, why? Well, why would I not do that now? Why would I not? pursue the podcast you know now why do i gotta wait till i'm retiring what if i don't make it to retirement yeah that's a lot of i mean you've probably seen a lot of people that never got to see the light of day for retirement so i'm like i'm not gonna wait i'm gonna do it now i'm doing every i'm living my retirement life now and i have a full-time job yeah well and that's you know and that's what you want to do is make sure you're taking care of what really matters most to you Mm -hmm. and um you know, we did a lot of traveling when the kids were, were growing up with the camper and so forth, and maybe not even as much as I wanted to, but, but we still did a lot. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time together. Uh, uh, spent some time with my dad with the race car for for uh, several years, probably about 10 years doing that. In the last years, he was racing the race car. Um, you know, and, and just those things that, that have more meaning. Mm-hmm to us you know in the long run and and I'm, I'm very happy that i did a lot of those things because in the end just that almighty dollar isn't really um it doesn't have any meaning if there's if there's not some right. uh, other piece to that i feel like most people we have a society that's set up on on you know you where you can't think about things too much mm-hmm. because you're just so worried about paying for the house paying for the car paying for your college paying for yeah. the, you know all of this debt that you accumulate in your 20s and 30s i feel like the, the best thing you can do in from age 18 to age 30 is just like don't go into debt mm-hmm. or if you do go into debt make sure it's something that you're going into debt for where the cost of that debt will be much less than what the value of that thing will be worth later. Yes. Yeah. Such as a well, house, which is really just a house. <laughs> and I mean, it's even, even with our uh, Airstream travel trailer, it's 36 years old. It's mm-hmm. paid for. Mm-hmm. We're doing some upgrades. I just finished putting new axles underneath it because the torsion system was, was uh, old, dated, wore out. Uh, we're going to put new flooring and a new sofa in it. We're revitalizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting a little bit of money into it, but I'm never going to lose yeah. money or not a significant amount of money on that right. trailer. Yeah, yeah. and you, you'll get your use out of it. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. We, you know, we'll keep it for a long time and and just enjoy it. And uh, I feel I feel like what the the trajectory trajectory of your life is determined by what you do from age 18 to age 30. Now, there's obviously yes. there's there's outliers. You know, from you know, if you st- you decide to start a business from age thirty to forty, and that business ends up being something that the public really wants, that can make a huge difference too. Yes. But you know, um, th- how your re- how your your finances look in your sixties and your seventies is going to be very much dependent upon what you do in your twenties and your thirties. Absolutely. And I Absolutely. cannot I cannot stress to people enough that yeah. you know you you shouldn't drive the car you drive, especially kid, kids my age. Th- yes. We'll have kids 
that make forty to forty-five grand a year that drive a fifty to sixty thousand dollar car. Yeah. Make that make sense to me? No, it no. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and unfortunately, um, a lot of people get caught up in that, and and um, um, you know, getting your head on straight about what's really important uh, in your younger days. And and if you're gonna, you know, a lot of times we pick up certain habits from our parents. I think we all picked up, and I, and I think about like my parents and the camping that we did through the years, mm-hmm. and you know my dad didn't do as much of that growing up as he did with us, mm-hmm. and I did with my kids, and now I see you know especially my one daughter they're camping all the time now, yeah. and um, and so you know you hope that's a good thing, um, and and if it's not if you if you see your life heading in a in a path that doesn't uh, make you give you real internal rewards Mm -hmm. then changing that and heading down that next road or or tweaking what that looks like uh, is really hard for people Mm -hmm. you know because we are creatures of habit yeah so well we could keep blabbering for another two hours easily i know you got to get home and watch the super bowl oh super bowl's on tonight who's playing in the super bowl well we got san francisco 49ers and the kansas city chiefs isn't the 49ers um the the one with pat patrick mahomes no he's with kansas city chiefs patrick mahomes and uh so he's playing in the super bowl he's in the super bowl yes okay gotcha yes he's he's a stud from what i understand but i don't even keep up with football anymore yeah yeah he um uh what this is about the fourth fourth of the last five years he's been in the super bowl something like that yeah has he won one yet yes yes they won last year in fact uh no excuse me wait a minute was it no i'm sorry don't remember for sure. They have one, at least one, I think two, if I'm not mistaken, under him. Hmm. And so, um, uh, of course, you know, San Francisco is pretty impressive. And um, uh, they got that um, um, guy, uh, Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y is the quarterback, hmm. as they call him, Mr. Insignificant. He was the last draft pick of the um, NFL draft here a couple of years ago. He makes about a million dollars a year. He's one of the lowest paid quarterbacks in the league, and he's kicking butt. Yes, yeah, so, a young, a new Tom, the new version of Tom Brady, pretty exactly, much. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Awesome. So, Hopefully, when they rewrite his contract, it's got a lot more zeros behind it. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's tied in for two more years, I think, to the one he's on. So, uh, That's so crazy. Whether they'll, uh, um, you know, try to make him happy in the meantime, who knows? Yeah. You know, that's so. insane. But all right, Uncle Keith, thank you, thank you for coming and doing this. Sure enough, right. Um, hopefully, as always. Hopefully, I'm, I'll be curious to re-listen to this one when we go to do the next one. We, okay. should, we should probably set out to do that in you know a year or something did, like did that. You, did you do that with this one? Did you listen to the last one we did? No, because the last one was when you right after you retired. Yes, we talked a lot about the retirement. Yeah, no, I, I did not listen to it because I, I don't feel like what the way I view retirement has changed. But I feel like um, that one wasn't as much on the on the financial landscape as this one was because gotcha. that's really what I wanted to talk about on this one was like the economy is just so many things right now. Maybe it's just because I'm interested in it and I'm paying attention to it. But yeah. there's a, there's a lot of people that I feel like are just not you know doing just, well. Just so. make sure you don't get uh, analysis paralysis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the moral of this podcast. You pay attention to what you're doing. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for doing this, and um, sure enough, we'll see you on the next one. I guess. All right. Thank Let's you. This episode of Somehow We're Adults is over, but if you'd like to support the podcast, you can subscribe to one of the levels of the Patreon, where we will release bonus episodes that can't be found anywhere else. 
Any of the money that we get from the Patreon would be used to upgrade old equipment as well as get new gear so that we can make the best podcast for you to tune into. You can also follow the podcast Instagram at Somehow We're Adults, where I share clips and content about the podcast, and the link in the bio will take you to any of the Somehow We're Adults pages. I encourage you to check out another one of the episodes if this is your first time listening, and if you're a repeat listener, thank you for your support. I love making the podcast, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Somehow We're Adults.